You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is that your liver can safely process up to about eight pills or four grams of acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol, in a 24-hour period. That's at least the maximum it can do. I would say less is better. If you have more than that, you can be at really serious risk of poisoning and basically killing liver cells. And hundreds of people every year die, especially if they take Tylenol with alcohol. And the reason this happens is because the Tylenol depletes glutathione in your liver. And as soon as you run out of glutathione, well, your liver starts to die. So you've got to always have a reserve of that. And you can build your own glutathione using things like vitamin C, or you can take it endogenously. If you're going to be drinking alcohol, you also deplete glutathione. So monitoring that reserve is pretty darn important. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's guest is a really awesome guy. I spent the last several days with him. And you should log in and check this out on YouTube because we are in a, uh, I don't know, you wouldn't quite call this an operating room, we'll call it a procedure room. I'm wearing a very sexy set of scrubs and a, a cool hat. 
And our guest today is Dr. Harry Allison, is wearing his normal work uniform. Uh, Harry, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Dave. Since, oh, say for about the last six years, Harry's done 3,000 bone marrow and adipose, or fat-derived stem cell procedures, and spent, I think three days ago, most of the day doing stem cell procedures uh, with me and my wife. I've had needles in all sorts of places I never thought needles would go. And I came to Dr. Adelson because he's one of the most experienced in the world using stem cells for musculoskeletal pain. I've had three knee surgeries as a kid, and I've had problems with my right shoulder for quite a while, as well as just a bunch of other little aches and pains. And part of being bulletproof is just building maximum resiliency. And I can wait till I'm 80, and I could go and try and address these things as they get worse and worse after they're calcified, or I could stay on top of it. So I decided I want to stay on top of it, and after doing a good amount of research, I'm like, you know, it's interesting, there's two camps, we're going to talk about this, but I wanted to, to not have to pick between fat-derived or bone marrow-derived stem cells, and, and if you've listened to the show for a while, you know I'm a little bit hardcore. If you want to get a result, you could be like, oh, maybe I'll do just one thing that gets me a result, or you could be like, you know what, I'm just going to do all the things that probably get the result at the same time. And I might not know exactly which one works, but I got the result I wanted. And then we can go through and we can do some more research to figure out which one works. But meanwhile, like I feel amazing and I have my energy back and I'm thin and things like that. Like that's important. And if you're results oriented versus research oriented, you just do different things. And I value the research very much, which is why I look at all the research before I pick all the things likely to make an impact. So uh, with Harry, that was why I did that. Uh, Harry, your clinic is uh, docere. I'd probably even say it wrong. I've seen the sign many times. Well, it's a Latin word, so I think you can pronounce it however you want. We say docere, but people say docere. I've heard everything. I, I was thinking it was like Spanish. It's D-O-C-E-R-E, docere. Yeah, yeah, it's the Latin verb to teach. <laughs> or Yeah, it's the root of the word doctor. Doctor. The oh, word yeah. doctor means teacher, so okay. it's the verb, the Latin verb to teach. Now... We're here, in, this is in Park City, Utah, mm -hmm. right across from like the Olympic Ski Village, and uh, we're sitting by some amazing equipment, and you use most of the stuff on me. What is this big device behind us? Well, this thing that's shaped like the letter C is a C arm, and it's, uh, it's X-ray that uh, functions in three dimensions. What you can do is, you know, if you have a structure under here, and you're looking at it in this orientation, then you just throw this lever and then suddenly you switch to a completely different orientation. So what it does is it allows for three-dimensional viewing of, of structures. As they move too, right? You can, do, you, can do, you can do still pictures and you can also do video analysis. So you can use it for diagnostics to see if a vertebral body is slipping as you move your head side to side. But mostly what we use it for is either bone marrow aspiration, the needle placement for the bone marrow aspiration, and then additionally for needle placement for injecting. If you, you know, as, you know, we've seen all those bogus pictures online of, you know, a flashlight on somebody's abdomen and, you know, saying, <laughs> you know this, is, this walked into the emergency room. Well, you know, if you, if you place a needle inches away this way, but look at it only in this orientation, it's going to look like it's in the right position. You have to additionally okay. look at it in two views. So, for instance, when we're injecting an intervertebral disc, so we need to get the tip of the needle in a, you know, several millimeter, square millimeter mm -hmm. space in the deepest part of the body. We have to be absolutely certain it's in the right place. And that's where this really shines. One of the reasons that I came here is that you have this equipment. And a lot of people just place needles sort of, they know 
but you're also looking at this, but there's also a radiation risk. Like I, I try to minimize my x-ray exposure. This is a digital x-ray, so you're not getting a lot of radiation. Well, you know, I wear a little badge mm -hmm. that tells me exactly how much radiation I get exposed to. And you have to think, I'm getting, I'm standing in front of this thing all day, every right. day. This is a very low radiation device. In one year of being exposed to this, it's about the equivalent of a round-trip flight to Paris. So for someone like you who does as much airline travel, you're getting way more radiation exposure in an airplane than you are from this machine. Got it. So it, it's within reasonable safety limits. Absolutely. And uh, my wife is an emergency room physician who's actually years ago did some stem cell culturing as, as part of her work at Karolinska. But she was incredibly impressed with the needle placement because you're using the machine. So, uh, and you guys are going to see this when you see the blog post about stem cells and all. And Harry, by the way, will be speaking at the Bulletproof Conference next year, so you want to check that out, bulletproofconference.com. Uh, we're going to talk about all the different ways you can upgrade the human body, and stem cells are profound because not a lot of people have talked about this. I, I know like a few celebrity people uh, get procedures, but then they're like, hi, and I'm like, no, like, let's talk about what works. And you guys are going to see some some videos and, and pictures of you know needles along my my spine and needles and, and all sorts of places where we're actually introducing stem cells. And why would a relatively healthy forty three year old like me even consider doing stem cells? Like in, in your experience, what what are the reasons people come in before they're they're doing it for like an well, anti thing? Well, what we you know what we treat here primarily is chronic musculoskeletal right. pain and the. The majority of, we have sort of two main types. We have the bone-on-bone -bone arthritis, hips, knees, ankles, shoulders, elbows, wrists, fingers. Uh, that's about half our cases, and the other half are spine. And the, and this, uh, there the ages vary, because a lot of times we'll get the people like a you know, 25-year-old, very healthy, very active person, you know, swings the tennis racket wrong, gets a little fissure in their disc, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later it's completely dehydrated. Um, but, you know, that ranging on to, we get a lot of Saskatchewan farmers who just worked <laughs> their entire lives and their, you know, the, their x-rays of their spine. Yeah, it's arthritis. It looks like World War III. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so, you know, what we have, what one of the things that we've learned in recent years is that we have mesenchymal, so mesenchymal stem cells, there's many types of stem cells, but mesenchymal stem cells are the ones that can, well, I have these, this model yeah, right show, here. Show me some so of this stuff. This By is, the way, most people are listening in their cars or sitting at work, they're not on video, so you gotta describe oh, okay. what you're, just, that's okay, just describe okay. what you're what you're showing okay. so people who are listening only can get it, but this is one of those ones where you just should log on YouTube and check out the video. Okay, well this, I have these plush toys, and this is our friend, the mesenchymal stem cell, and this guy has a little cataracts because my dog got at this one. But a mesenchymal stem cell has the capacity to self-renew and turn into a new version of itself, or it can turn into the skin cell, this fat cell, this bone cell, or this muscle cell. It turns into all the different musculoskeletal connected tissue types. Or the brain cells, right? You can grow new gray matter? Um, well, those are neural stem cells. Okay. So this is you can't get those from this. Okay, cool. Yeah, those are neural stem cells, okay. which is another type of stem cell. Um, but the mesenchymal stem cells, we have them in all of the joints in our body, in our peripheral joints, our hips, knees, ankles, and shoulders, elbows, and wrists. Um, and we also have them in our spine. And their job is to keep the joint healthy. So when you have just sort of normal wear and tear injury and you go through life and you have you know, a little damage, they first of all, they release proteins that 
that keep the inflammation under control. It doesn't let the inflammation go out of control. And additionally, they release proteins that signal the regeneration of damaged tissue. Mm -hmm. So when you have healing after an injury, it's a stem cell mediated event. Now, in a, more, in a more extreme case where there's actual damage to the point that the cells have died, there's cell right. death, then those stem cells have the ability to turn into healthy versions of the damaged, killed cells. The issue that you run into is as we age, as you get you know, more severe injury, as you're constantly having, you know, if you're the type of person who just doesn't give your body the rest it needs or doesn't give your body the nutrition that it needs for the stem cells to repair the tissue, and those stem cells are constantly shunting in that differentiation mode, then they no longer have time to self-renew and you deplete the population of stem cells in that joint or in that tissue. That's when people say, you know, it was, it was kind of bad, I was having problems with my knee, and then all of a sudden it seems like everything really went downhill. And, you know, it just, I, 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 and what, you know, what we're starting to understand is that it's because you no longer have stem cells in that joint to sell, to, to keep it healthy. So what we do here is we take stem cells from another part of your body, take them out, put them right back into the damaged joint, thereby giving you the ability to, re to self-renew and, and heal yourself after injury. Let's talk about the ways you get stem cells, because you, you, there's sort of two camps, as I did some research before deciding to do my procedure here. Like there's a group of people like, you have to get them from fat, and another group of people, you have to get them from bone marrow. And it seems almost like there's a little bit of hate going on there, and like, why, <laughs> what, what are the strengths and weaknesses? It's very emotional, you know, there's sort of like, you know, there's Ford guys and there's Chevy guys, and there's, yeah. you know, with this whole thing, so you know, which the, ones are more red? Well, the the, 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 the yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> the two the two tissues that are the richest in stem cells that are the easiest to harvest because we have stem cells in our tooth pulp and our hair follicles yeah. and everything, but the, it's not practical to harvest stem cells from those tissues. The two yeah. tissues that are easy to harvest and are abundant in stem cells are bone marrow and fat. Now, what you run into is most clinics in the United States that do same day autologous stem cell procedures. The word autologous means donor and recipient are the same person. So uh, either they do stem cell, stem cells from bone marrow, or they do stem cells from fat. And um, I mean, you would think that two Canadian teams are in game seven of the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's so emotional. There's <laughs> so much misinformation being slung back and forth between these two camps. Okay, so bone marrow has been, bone marrow stem cell therapy has been around much longer. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of there's data on it. I mean, it's been used for things like uh, avascular necrosis. There is a pretty good body of data okay. on it. That's the upside. The downside is you don't get a lot of stem cells. You don't get a lot of mesenchymal stem cells from bone marrow. With fat. There's a lot less data on it, but you get a lot more stem cells. So, you know, it's easy to sort of fall into this thing that you have to do one and one is better. Well, you know, for me, I started out using bone marrow, and then when I, you know, I did it for years, and I got very good results, and I was very happy with it, and then when I decided to start isolating stem cells from fat and using it, in the beginning, what I did, so, so the thing about the adipose-derived stem cells is they're just stem cells on their own, and you have to you have to suspend them in a growth factor because okay. in order for stem cells to get activated, they need to come into a, a, a cytokine called 
uh, a platelet-derived growth factor. And you can get it either from platelet-rich plasma. Which is basically a blood draw with a thin spun. Exactly. Yes. Or you can get it from bone marrow aspirate concentrate, where you take bone marrow and you spin it down, similar to the way you do with blood. But by the way, we're going to post pictures of my bone marrow, like in a little vial here. So mm -hmm. uh, bulletproofexact.com slash YouTube will take you to right to the YouTube channel where you can find this show. Mm -hmm. And the show, it's Dr. Harry Adelson, if you need to Google for it. And the, the whole show notes and all this stuff will be online. But it's, it's pretty neat to look at this stuff. Anyway, go ahead. So when I started doing the adipose-derived stem cells, the woman, Kristen Comella, who you're going to meet soon, mm -hmm. she, she came and taught us how to do it. And she suggested that we suspend the adipose-derived stem cells in platelet-rich plasma. And my instinct was, because I had so much good experience with bone marrow aspirate concentrate, I thought, well, I'll sus I should just suspend it in bone marrow. And then I thought, well, you know, really, I would like to see, you know, maybe we don't need to do the bone marrow aspiration. And, you know, you have all these people in the adipose camp saying that, the bone marrow is unnecessary, so I just want to find out for myself. Like I want to, I want to know. Test it out. So what I did is, for the first four months that I did adipose drive stem cells, people would come to me, and I would say, "Okay, here's your options. Either we do bone marrow aspirate concentrate, with which I have, you know, at that point it was four years experience. I've done many cases. I'm very happy with the results. Um, we're going to get in the neighborhood of the tens of thousands of mesenchymal stem cells, or we can do adipose-derived stem cells suspended in platelet-rich plasma. Um, there's a lot less data supporting its use. I don't have much experience with it. At that point, I did, and I do now. Um, and, but we're going to get potentially in the millions of mesenchymal stem cells. Which do you want to do? And so that way people would self-select. Yeah. So I, about, it's, it was about split down the middle what people chose to do. When people were six months out from their procedure, I phoned them, and I just said... If you had to pick a number, percentage improvement from what you experienced from this treatment, what would you pick? You know, it's not the strongest methodology, but it's hey, actually pretty good. I think it is. I mean, what better than the person's experience with the whole do, thing? Do you feel better? Like, I don't, we don't care how you feel. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. What so what I found learn? was, as had been my experience for the years leading up to it, the bone marrow guys very consistent, very consistently got good results. They were very happy with the outcomes. With the adipose suspended, adipose drive stem cell suspended in platelet-rich plasma, the ones who responded did better, on average 10% better improvement than the bone marrow guys, but almost a full 30% of them didn't have any response at all. Whoa. And I don't know why that is, and I still haven't figured out why that is. Um, maybe the cells didn't survive the process, maybe the type of platelet-rich plasma I was using wasn't adequate, I really don't know. It could be what they eat, it, it could be... You know, it's, it's, it's alignment hard. of the sun and stars for all we know. Right? There's so many variables that have never been looked at. And in an ideal world, we would know. But the fact is, I have people coming to me now who want results. <laughs> so what happened yeah. at that point was my dad came to visit. Okay. And, you know, I thought my, he wanted treatment. And I said, well, you know, what am I going to do with dad? And I thought, I'm just going to do both. And we did both. And he had a great outcome. And after that, you know, I think almost like part of the Hippocratic Oath could be do unto patients as you would do unto dear old dad. Because you get, I get asked all the time, mm -hmm. you know, if I were your father, what would you do? Well, now I know what I would do with my father. And so after that, after doing that with him, I was like, if I'm going to do that with my dad, I have to do it with everybody. And from that point on, everyone got both. When yeah. we were six months out from those guys, I called them. And what I found was 
that I got the consistency of the bone marrow with the augmented improvement of the fat. And I have these results published in the Pain Practitioner, which is the Journal of the American Academy of Pain Management. It's on my website. I have links to the article. Yeah, and we'll link to those as well. But So it's a bit of a maze to figure out what to do if... if in fact, for years, I've been thinking, I should do some kind of stem cells. Do I need to like, fly to Germany? I, I, like, I don't know, do I need to go to Chile? It, you could go to all these different places where they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And these are relatively conservative because these are my stem cells mm -hmm. versus uh, fetal-derived uh, sheep stem cells, uh, all these other ways you could do it. What are the other sort of stem cell selections that people might consider? And, and why do you go with the ones you go with? Well, you know, here in the U.S., one of the things you're hearing more and more about is the amniotic membrane-derived stem yeah. cells. Now, this is being aggressively promoted by, you know, by a number of clinics. It's very easy to do. It comes in a vial. And they're stem cells that are uh, taken from the amniotic membrane, which are similar to placental cells, which are similar to umbilical cord cells. The problem is they're freeze-dried and they're desiccated. And the actual stem cells don't survive that process. So when you are getting you know, these, these stem cells, they're not living stem cells. You are getting the growth factors that okay. are contained within the stem cells. So when you get an injection of amniotic membrane, you're getting a burst of growth factors. But you know, my opinion is you can get that from platelet-rich plasma. I was just going to say, and for people listening, platelet-rich plasma is when they draw about 100 milliliters of blood, and I've had this done. And uh, Robin Benson, who's been on the show, did, did that for me. And uh, what, what you do there is you spin the blood and you take off this very thin layer where you get these activating factors. And you did this for a long time as mm -hmm. well, right? I did it for many years before I started stem cells. It's all, it's all I did. It was 100% of my practice. Okay. And so, so, so that's one way you get growth factors, mm -hmm. but it's not the same as stem cells. You're, you're not getting living stem, stem cells. cells. Right. Okay. So if you have a situation where you have some damage to a structure, uh, but you still have your own population of stem cells, it probably could be helpful. Okay. Um, I personally would rather use platelet-rich plasma in that situation. Because it's but, your own stuff, and you don't have to your, worry about it. It's yeah. coming from a sheep or something. You don't know. I mean, you don't. Not only is it coming from a person unknown to you, it's you know, it's it, you know, I, I would much rather have it coming from my own body. Um, that, but when you are in a situation where you have no stem cells left and you're using the amniotic membrane, you're not repopulating the cell with, stem, with living because stem cells. Because you just aren't making them in your marrow anymore. Or you have none left in the tissue or you have none left in your body, basically. You, no, you have none left in that particular okay. tissue. When you have none left in your body, you die. That's what dying of old age is. When, you have no, when your stem cells are no longer functioning, you die of old age. So this is interesting. I, my plan, seriously, is to live to 180 years old. And I'm willing to do all sorts of bizarre stuff that is probably going to work. And I may die doing one of those, which would really screw up my goal. But whatever, like, like this is what I do. So uh, I've been doing a lot to, to grow my mitochondrial function, and there are mitochondria in stem cells. Uh, I've been doing a lot of high fat for a long time, and there's a lot of fat in stem cells as well, in your bone marrow, and, and basically eating a lot of marrow and other things that, mm -hmm. that affect your ability to make cells. Um, what did you see when you looked at my bone marrow? Uh, well, when we, your bone marrow looked like a typical healthy person's bone okay. marrow. So the two things that, you know, we're not looking at it under a microscope, we're just looking at it. When, when you draw it out, it looks like whole blood. 
when you set when you spin it down, mm -hmm. there's a, there's fat at the top, mm -hmm. there's serum, there's the buffy layer where the stem cells are, and then right. there's the red blood cells. Yours, you had way more fat than we're accustomed to seeing, mm -hmm. which is yeah. just your marrow should be full of fat. Your right? your plasma, your serum, uh -huh. is crystal clear, okay. which means you don't have a lot of free fatty acids and triglycerides and cholesterol, you know, bad cholesterol in your serum. Because when I get people with bad cholesterol panels, it's milky. It's not yeah. good. And my cholesterol is about 225 right now, but it's high HDL, right? right? So, okay. What was interesting with you, though, was your fat. Because when I took the fat, when I oh, just took... Front, this is the, the, the lipoaspiration. And so this is a very small amount of lipoaspiration, like 50 mils? Uh, we got close to 100. 100, okay. Yeah, but it, 100, it's not... About it, enough to fill a coffee cup. But when, okay. I, when I took it out, we take it into a syringe. We don't use a liposuction machine because those high suction machines will damage the cells. And we'll put a video of this, it's pretty creepy looking, you know, it's sticking like a McDonald's straw, not quite that big, yeah. but it's like a little metal straw. Well, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a blunt tip cannula. <laughs> but when it was in the syringe, it was just unlike any fat I've ever seen. And, you know, we're accustomed to seeing, what you know, smokers fat kind of looks like Cheetos and, you know, healthy, <laughs> relatively healthy people, it just looks like what you think what fat would be, but yours was different. I mean, and I don't really know how to describe it. It, it was, was more like butter. Okay. It was. But the number of stem cells you saw was also uh, was also different, right? Like, like you saw a larger... You product. had a very fat, nice, healthy fat. So after we processed it and spun it, right. the, all the fat cells, the adipocytes, mm -hmm. go to the top and the stem cells go to the bottom and you had a nice big pellet at the bottom. So my hope there is that some of the practices I do, and including some air pressure things that I'm going to be talking about more uh, towards the Bulletproof Conference, they're designed to stimulate stem cell growth. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that this is at least uh, an evidence point that some of the things I'm doing seem to be working. We don't know whether having more fat in your bone marrow is good. I tend to find that grass-fed animals have very healthy bone marrow, which is very creamy and fatty versus like unhealthy animals that eat a lot of grain. Uh, and it also, there's a color difference. It's more yellow in a healthy mm -hmm. animal versus more kind of white and like white and watery mm -hmm. in a grain-fed animal. But uh, who knows? Like I, I don't think there's great evidence looking at like fatty acid ratios mm -hmm. of bone marrow and correlate in those Yeah, cells. I mean, yours was more yellow. It looked like yak butter. I mean, when, when I was <laughs> in Tibet and we got that, ate that yak butter, it was, it was a lot it was more yellow. yellowish color. It was more yellow than I'm accustomed to, and it was kind of just greasy. And I mean, yeah. you're kind of... One of those carotenoids. It's a huge... I'm an outlier, right? That's right. Cool. All right. Uh, so what else do we want to talk about? Uh, okay, so we're talking about the stem cells that you could that you could get. Right. Okay. So yeah. So right. so the, so as far as you know, there's kind of and what I'm going to talk about at the Bulletproof Conference is well, let me just tell you quickly about an experience I had when in 2011 when I was really getting as much knowledge as I could mm -hmm. on stem cell medicine. What I did is half about half the year I was at home doing cases, and the other half I was traveling the world, learning cool. from the best. And I had this phenomenal experience. It was, uh, I, I, I went visited two clinics back to back. So the first one I went to was a guy named Carlos Cecilio Brat, who in South America is one of the best known stem cell doctors. He's in a small town in Venezuela. And it was amazing. What this guy does, his clinic, it looks like one of the old school chiropractor offices where he just has all these tables with just curtains in between them. Mm -hmm. And he would have all these people in there and he would go from one to another. He'd take an 18 gauge one inch needle, 
put it into the sternum, which is a flat bone, uh, which fits uh -huh. stem cells. You place it in, aspirate some bone marrow, go to the next one. And he just did one, he would do like 40 a day. It was amazing. And his material cost was probably, you know, three dollars. Wow. And he charged, you know, charged very low. He, he would have everybody from illiterate farmers to the Chavez family. I mean, it was really an amazing experience. And if there's any question as to my dedication to the field of stem cell medicine, I went and spent a week in Venezuela. I mean, wow, <laughs> I mean, doing that kind of work. Don't go to Venezuela. <laughs> it was, yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, he had a video library of patient testimonials of thousands of wow. cases of all kinds of different things that he had treated. I mean, it was really impressive, and what really stood out was how simple it was. He would just take the bone marrow and then run it uh, through a filter as an IV. From there, I went to Panama City and visited the Stem Cell Institute, which if anybody's researched stem cells, you probably yeah. come across it. They're one of the best known stem cell tre uh, treatment centers in the world. They are the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. This is a high-tech, clean laboratory where they culture expand cells. They take your stem cells, they grow them. And um, I mean, this is very expensive clinic, and to get treated there is very, very yeah, expensive. How expensive is very expensive? Oh, I think it's 60000 to walk Holy in the door, most. I mean, just to get started. Um, so, uh, but you are mm -hmm. getting the highest tech. I mean, if, you know, this is it. Like, this is, okay. it doesn't get any more high-tech like advanced the, than this. This is like the or something. Of, what I found was, I didn't really see a whole lot of difference in the outcomes. I mean, I saw the extreme opposites back-to-back, back, the simplest you can come up with and the most complex that is in existence. And it looked like the outcomes were about the same. Now, I realize that's a very unscientific statement because I was just getting thin slices. I was in each clinic yeah. for a week. But, um, you know, it just kind of got... I started thinking about this whole thing of how in the West, in the United States, we are just sucked into this idea that the more complex something is, the better it is necessarily. And... The other thing is that there, we were so enamored with this idea that there's one right way to do things. That's a big problem in medicine, yeah. And, you know, I sort of think, and I just finished reading all the Malcolm Gladwell books where, you know, too, a too big class is no good, a too small of a class is no good, and there's sort of this one sweet spot. Well, I think with stem cell medicine, there's multiple sweet spots, and it really depends on the patient. It depends on what your condition is. It depends on your personality. You know, Peyton Manning went to Germany to have the most high-tech stem cell procedure available in the world. Um, Dave Asprey, I'd like to point out, came to me. <laughs> I'm not done yet, man. We go everywhere now. That's right. But, but no, I, I, I like the idea of doing multiple angles at one time. That's what made, made it really interesting here. What would be different if had I gone to Germany and, like, you know, taken out a mortgage in order to pay for it? Well, you know, abroad, you can get... You, so you're asking about the different types yeah. of stem cells. Like what's, so there's, what's so good you know, about First Germany? and foremost, there's autologous, which is what we do. Uh -huh. Same day, we take it out of you and we put it back in. If you want to go abroad, if you want to go to South America, uh, if you want to go to Europe, then you can start using, you know, umbilical cord stem cells, embryonic stem cells, okay. you know, the famous embryonic what, stem cells. What happens? Like, what's the benefit of using those versus... Well, you know, there's, there's good and there's bad. You know, the good news is it's the most primitive stem cell, mm -hmm. and, it, and they're the most robust. Because they're young. Because right? they're young, exactly. So that's good. The downside is it's from a different organism, and we don't totally know what that means. 
Yeah. We do know that once you put a stem cells from another organism into your body, they're in there forever. There's, you can put them in, but you can't ever take them out. I mean, they go in, they just infiltrate your entire system, and they are now a part of you right. um, forever. So um, we don't know. It, if you believe in a reductionist view of people who are basically meat robots, like those are just replacement parts. But if you read any of the books from people who've done organ transplants and retired, like there, there's famous cases. Like one is a, a cowboy, an old old guy gets a heart from a young woman and like goes home and starts taking scented bubble baths. Like and people who have like replacement parts from other people oftentimes report that they took on something from the person they got. And this isn't, like, this is actually scientific. Mm -hmm. Like, I've read a couple books about this, and most of the people who write the books wait till they're retired because they're afraid they'll be called crazy. But they're like, I see this in my patients all the time, and someone should say something. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have no idea what the effect of that would be. Mm -hmm. One thing that I, might be really interesting is we all inherit mitochondrial DNA. This is you know, the power plants in ourselves uh, for people listening. And... All of us inherit weaknesses and strengths, so different methylation cycles, different ways that we can be made stronger or weaker. And, and part of me is like, maybe I should have like 42 different uh, embryonic stem cells or, or I don't know, umbilical stem cells. I, I haven't dug in on this or looked at, at all of the reasons you would or wouldn't do one of those things. But if you had all these things, maybe you'd have a huge mix of mitochondrial DNA throughout your tissues, which means you'd be way more resilient. And that'd be kind of cool because we did not evolve to have more than one type of mitochondrial DNA. But there'd be huge advantages to living in a world with a lot more toxins and a lot more EMFs and a lot more other crap if you basically had a redundant array of, of types of mitochondrial yeah. DNA. And there's no science at all about that, right? Well, this is this is a conversation you should have with Kristen Covello, okay. who's a cellular biologist and a scientist. I mean, I'm a clinician, so... Um, you know, I don't know, but I, you know, I would say just just in sort of about embryonic stem cells, about yeah. placental stem cells, about you know, you, you have to bring into the picture the risk benefit ratio. So yes. you know, I think if I had ALS, if I had Parkinson's, you know, if you have some hideous neurologic disease that's going to definitely kill you, yeah, you bet. You go, big. go to Bogota, Colombia. Go oh. visit my friend uh, Carolina Lucena. I mean, yeah, definitely. Then you should. I you know, I would be. You'd be going straight for that. Right. If you're talking more about uh, anti-aging, I wouldn't risk it because you yeah. just don't know what you're going to end up with in the long run. And when we're talking about musculoskeletal pain, I just haven't found it to be necessary. Yeah. For, for what you're working with, it doesn't seem like it would you, be. We just use your own stuff. It works fine. And I, you know, I've treated 88-year-olds. You know, and they do. Some of them do well, and some of them don't do so well. And, and we don't help everyone, but we help a lot more people than we don't help. Well, some really interesting things happened. Uh, my wife's frozen shoulder, it, it, we're now three days after the procedures. I mean, the procedure's relatively rough. Like, it, there's a lot of ejections. That, like, it takes, it, it takes a, a, some resolve to yeah, do it. I'd like to just interject <laughs> here that I encouraged both of these guys, with as much injections as we did, I encouraged them both to undergo sedation, to have our anesthetist here to have them sleep through it. But, of course, they wanted to experience the whole thing. Yeah, so. that, was, uh, yeah that was rough, but that's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, what what the Lana just told me this morning? She's like, this is amazing. She's got a frozen shoulder. She fell and she was a kid out of like a tree from thirty feet up, and her shoulder's been frozen pretty much ever since. And she's had acupuncture and adjustments and functional movement, all kinds of stuff. Nothing really did much for it. And three days after getting stem cells, she's like, my range of motion is bigger than it's than it's ever been. 
And same thing with her, her neck range of motion. She had like serious whiplash from a, a similar fall as a, as a child. So these are, you know, 40-year problems that in three days are better than they ever have been. So like, all right, this is pretty profound stuff. I, my shoulder hurts like hell today. Um, you, you put a lot of needles into the shoulder here, um, but my knee doesn't hurt at all. And, that's and, cool. and it, it really takes two, sometimes three months to get the to get most. Well, not the full most, most. of the result. Okay. I mean, it takes six months before we really get to what I call full results. Because this is the opposite of a steroid injection. You do a steroid injection, the pain goes completely away for two months, if you're lucky, two months, mm -hmm. and then it comes completely back. This sometimes it takes two months to really work. Originally, we had scheduled this podcast for six weeks out because right. I wanted to be able to talk about your outcomes, but we wanted to do it here while we were together. Oh, yeah. So. And so in about six months, that's when the conference is. It's going to be, in, I think, September, October. Yeah, last, um, last Bulletproofconference.com, one of many speakers there about like the latest stuff. But mm -hmm. you want to talk to someone who's, who's in the trenches doing stem cells, this, uh, this is a way uh, to learn more now and also at the conference. So by then, uh, we should be able to, to talk about the full results. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty excited because this has been on my list of things that would be worth, uh, would be worth doing. Uh, let's talk, though, about cost. So there's people you know, who are in, in school uh, and, and people who are, are working uh, who are listening to this. And if someone has a chronic musculoskeletal pain, or they, I mean, we took the leftovers after you did all my joints and stuck them in my face, so I'm expecting to look like a teenager by the conference, just so we're clear. Uh, what, uh, what is a normal cost for you know, treating a musculoskeletal uh, kind of injury? Like, like, just give me a range. Well, what's you know, there's what I charge, and then what sort of the industry. Yeah. You, you, you know, can we talk about the industry and talk about what you charge. Yeah, for. I mean, there's a vast, vast spectrum of price mm -hmm. around the country, around the yeah. United. If we're talking about in the United States, um, and it really, uh, and this is something else I'm going to talk about at the conference. It has to do with the complexity of the procedure, but it additionally has to do with the overhead of the doctor's clinic. You know, if it's a doctor who has very expensive marketing campaigns, mm -hmm. if it's a doctor who's in a lot of lawsuits, if it's a doctor that's transitioned over from an insurance-based practice where they have this big clinic with lots of staff accustomed to processing all sorts of insurance. You have half your staff just to cover the insurance. Right. And now they've transitioned over to a cash pay practice, but they still have this tremendous overhead. You know, I'm very fortunate because I've always been, you know, I started out as a naturopathic prolotherapist. Did my first four years, I just did prolotherapy. Then after that, my... my the next four years, I just did platelet-rich plasma, and then the last six years, we've been doing stem cells. And so I've always had a very low overhead. I've kept my clinic very simple. So as the spectrum goes, I'm definitely on the lower end, and it's not because you know I'm making less. It's because I'm charging less because I can because I have a you know simpler overhead. Well, that's, so that's for, a factor for people. It's not like anyone listening wants to you know go write a check for twenty thousand dollars if it's possible. Unnecessarily, to get. yeah. Unnecessarily. I mean, the greatest advancement in medicine doesn't do anybody any good if nobody can afford it. I mean, yeah. I try to keep my prices affordable also because I like working with farmers and you know I like working with the people and I don't want to cater to, you know, to rich folks because they tend to be very difficult to deal with. But um, for a simple, you know, hip, knee, uh, if we're doing bone marrow and adipose dry mm -hmm. stem cells, it's about 5,000. Okay. If we're doing a bunch of spine, you know, uh, then it, you know, it's closer to seven or 8,000. If we're doing a lot of intervertebral discs and they're being sedated, we have the anesthetist here to sedate the patient, then it can be up to 10,000. I think the most we ever charged somebody was 12,000. Okay. And that's if they're kind of doing everything. 
Yeah. And, and you know, and that's and usually we get to where we want to be with one treatment. I mean, yeah. we, what we do is we do one treatment, then we wait six months. At six months, we have one of three conversations. Mm -hmm. People either say to me, I've had 75% improvement, I'm perfectly happy with this, um, no reason to do another one. At that point, two to six years later, I might hear from them again. It might start creeping back on them, and we might want to do a tune-up. You know, maybe not the whole thing, but you know, maybe something simpler, maybe just PRP. We just see at that point. The second conversation is, I've had 40% improvement, I'd like a little more. Well, at that point, we can talk about doing a second treatment. Maybe just bone marrow, maybe platelet-rich plasma. Again, it just depends on how far the person's come, how much further they want to go, and you know, their particular situation. As a clinical judgment thing, you're going to look at that and decide. Well, and, yeah, and, it, and it's it's a, it's a decision. It's you know, ultimately, it's their decision. Right. But it's you know, I try to I try to offer them the options. Um, same thing. After that second treatment, we usually get them to where they want to be. Two to six years later, I'm probably going to hear from them again because it's starting to creep back. The third conversation, which I don't have that often, fewer than 10% of my patients have this conversation. I just didn't help them at all. I mean, it was just a dud. These are people usually who are the smokers, the diabetics, lifestyle, high blood pressure, negative outlook on life. These are the people who I'm putting the stem cells where they need to be, and I'm not trying to blame the patient, but if their stem cells aren't functioning properly, then it's not going to do them any good. Nothing like a little bit of carbon monoxide to make stem cells work really right. well, right? And unfortunately, I mean, there, there is a way to screen for stem cell function, but it's you know, vastly expensive, I'm, and you know, I'm not, I don't have that sort of technology. Yeah, so then you add another $4,000 to the cost of treatment, right? and, right. and help you know, 10% or less of patients, exactly. so mm -hmm. it wouldn't make sense. Mm -hmm. In the overall scheme of, of expensiveness, I mean, that, that's a factor for me, for sure, right? You could, you could mortgage your house and go out there and do all these, mm -hmm. these biohacks, and that's one of the, I, I, I've spent more than I would like over the years, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, because, well, I was pretty screwed up biologically. You know, the, the toxic mold exposure, chronic fatigue, Lyme disease, uh, fibromyalgia, and uh, arthritis since I was 14 in my knees, and just all, all kinds of bad stuff going on. So I spent a lot of money that I would have liked to have not spent. And what I'm finding now is that some of the most advanced things are, like, we know that they work, but they're priced out of uh, they're priced out of out of availability for most people, and the reason for that is because there is very little demand for them, mostly because they haven't been acknowledged. So I, I seek out people who are doing things like this and shine a spotlight on it and say, look, this is how it works, this is the kind of results people are having, which increases demand, which drops price dramatically, and my whole goal is to make the stuff that I should have been able to get when I was 16 years old and, and obese and having those problems, it should have cost $3,000 and taken me six months to completely not have a body covered with stretch marks and not have all this crap that I spent almost 20 years working on. So I, I feel like, like that's that's a responsibility there. And, and one of the things that, that I do appreciate about that is that this is within the realm of possibility. I mean, even if your job is, is waiting tables and you know, you're, you're saving tips for a year, if you have chronic pain in a part of your body and it's been affecting you, and, and I know there's chronic pain, like I, I, I didn't know you were supposed to be able to walk without pain until I was 23, like every time I walked anywhere, it just always hurt in my legs. And so to get rid of that is, is it's worth saving three or $5,000, uh, it, it just is. And if you can get your insurance to cover it, that's even better. Do you even work with insurance companies? No, this is all considered Good. experimental, and cool. insurance does not cover any of it. And and yeah. I, I honestly, you know, I, 
it, insurance is the insurance companies are doing everything they can to pay for fewer things. Oh yeah. And I I don't see any time in the near future any of this is going to be covered because you know who who wants knee replacement? I mean most people don't want to rush out and have a knee replacement yeah. unless they absolutely need it. You know who wants a steroid injection unless they absolutely need it? But if suddenly insurance started paying for stem cell therapy, they would be lining up around the block. I mean I, you probably remember back you know when Viagra came out. Kaiser Permanente almost went out of business because they covered it at first. I mean, it cost them like millions of dollars in the right. space of a month. So, you know, I don't know. It, 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 hopefully it, that day will come, but no, I, I doubt it. And, and also, expecting your insurance company to pay uh, for, for things like this, very few of the practitioners that I work with and very few of the people who have been guests on the show take insurance anymore. The, the people who are breaking ground, the insurance companies fight them tooth and nail. Yeah. So they end up spending most of their time and most of their their staff time fighting bureaucrats. And they're unhappy. And, yeah. Medscape just published, they, every year they do a, a, a huge survey on physician burnout. Mm-hmm. And it's staggering, Dave. Doctors uh-huh. are burned out. And the number one reason is just all the bureaucratic stuff they have to go through billing insurance. So, you know, the upside of going to a doctor that you're paying for is now you're coming to me. Mm-hmm. I work for you. Yeah. You know, otherwise I'm working for this other entity and you're just sort of the product mm-hmm. and and I'm much more focused on them. Whereas if yeah. you're coming to me, you're my client and I'm working for you and we have this nice happy relationship. I'm happy to help you with your with your problems. I don't know. I mean it's it's a people call it a broken system, but it's not even a system. It, it's it's bad. I I buy health insurance for all of my employees at Bulletproof and it's blue cross blue something mm-hmm. I don't know whatever and I don't use it that often so I needed to get a prescription filled after this I went to the pharmacy for a $12 prescription oh this plan number blah 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 I'm like you know what here here's $12 and just let's not even mess with the insurance company because it's going to take them an hour of calling some bureaucrat to give me a $12 prescription I'm like you know what it's just not worth your life if you have a hundred thousand dollar open heart surgery or something, insurance companies are kind of useful. But if you're expecting uh, preventative maintenance or you're expecting, uh, you know, the the smaller procedures uh, to be covered, uh, you're probably going to get what you pay for, which is a ten dollar copay, and all the rest of it gets absorbed by the physician and the staff. And so I I don't see great usefulness for insurance unless you're in a car accident or you have major trauma, in which case it's incredibly important. But this kind of stuff. The insurance companies are never going to want this to happen. Well, in our biggest demographic, our patient base is we have more farmers and ranchers than anything. Well, you're and, in Utah, right? Well, but we they come from you know all over the okay, West. Stem cells are they're illegal in Canada, so well, come well, and also, but I mean, I sort of view it as these are people who depend on their bodies for their livelihood, right? And so they get it. You know, if your truck needs a something, then you pay for it, and mm-hmm. they need their bodies yeah. in order to work, and they understand that. So for them, it's an investment to get back to work. That's a, a really good way of looking at it, and I don't know that that applies just to farmers. Back when I was about 25, 26, I, I made $6 million, and I lost it when I was 28, so I was briefly wealthy, uh, very good times on some ways, but I was having really serious cognitive problems, like my brain wasn't functioning. And one of the reasons that I ended up spending all this money biohacking is I'm like, I make my money as an entrepreneur, I make my money with my brain, and when that goes, it's the best investment I can make. So I'm like living in a not so nice house, <laughs> uh, and I'm spending you know a couple thousand dollars a month that could have been a house payment, 
on my brain because like this this is how I earn my living. It's, it's a very similar way of doing it. And what I learned was that to support my brain, you actually have to have the body working. And I think that would go so far as stem cells. Uh, because if you don't have muscle, your brain atrophies. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's why I love my work, because we get such great people in here. I mean, we get motivated people who want to get better. We don't get drug seekers. We don't get people who, you know, who their pain has become part of who, how they define themselves. We mm -hmm. get people who want their lives back and want to get back to enjoying life. What's the craziest stem cell procedure you wish you were allowed to do that you're not allowed to do? Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I pretty much can, I mean, I think culture expansion would be great if we were able to do that. I mean, so that would be, yeah, that would be where we, that. that would be where, I mean, it's not so crazy and weird, but that would be where we take your stem cells, send them to a laboratory, grow them, and then put them back in you. Um, so yeah. now instead of, you know, from adipose, we get in the million, now we're in the tens of millions of stem cells. Um, I mean, but, you know, again, for the types of things I'm treating, we do just fine like this. So, okay. I, I mean, I don't really, if I were treating other things, if mm -hmm. I was treating neurologic conditions, then that would be much more of a concern. Because yeah. in those cases, then you really do need, in, you know, those huge numbers of stem cells. So, so if I wanted, uh, say I wanted to, to have more mass in my brain using stem cells, is that even achievable? I know that's I, not I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Okay, yeah. cool. I don't know the answer to that. going to have to find out the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I do know that there has been a lot of work done uh, with stroke, with mm -hmm. treating people with stroke, and um, the, the results are very promising. Uh, there's more in the University of South Florida, there's more and more work being done with uh, traumatic brain injuries from our vets. The vets who you know have have traumatic brain injury from the roadside explosives that right. you know ring their bell, and uh, doing intravenous stem cells. Mm -hmm. uh, what we I discussed this yesterday. What what you do for the chronic injuries is you you first you give intravenously something called mannitol, which is mm -hmm. a sugar right. that's used in the emergency room for people who have increased intracranial pressure. So whether they've had a stroke, whether they've had a closed head injury, and there's pressure inside their brain. When you give mannitol, it temporarily renders permeable the blood-brain barrier. So first you give uh, this IV the mannitol, then you give IV stem cells. Now the growth factors from the stem cells are able to actually penetrate into the brain. Wow. So that's something that you should talk to Kristen Kamala right. about. I'll, she's, I'll she, has a lot, about she has experience with all of that. And so we did IV stem cells, but I didn't do the mannitol thing mm -hmm. with you because we, we do as many stem cells as we could manage. Yeah. We save a little bit, just yeah. to, just a very small amount to push. The stem cells actually uh, get caught in your lungs because mm -hmm. the blood vessels in your lungs are just big enough for the largest white blood cells to go through. Okay. So the stem cells actually stick in your lungs and dump all the growth factors and your whole body gets a, just a huge burst of growth factors cool. from stem cells. So that's hopefully going to just cause regeneration throughout. It's tricking your body into thinking that you've had a new injury, and uh, okay. and you go into hyper healing mode. There was a boy when I was taking I took American Academy Anti Aging Medicine Stem Cell Fellowship. They had cool. all these they had all these scientists telling these terrible things they do to mice. I mean, really just <laughs> dastardly things. And one of them was. Uh, what did they do? They injected a chemical into a mouse's eye to cause oh. uh, macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. Okay, then they did a biopsy. You could see the macular degeneration. I mean, this is so awful. They, you could see the macular degeneration. Then they burned these mice. Holy crap. And, you know, so exposed them to a burn, and 
then tested their eyes again at a later date, and the burn actually caused the stem cells to release systemically, and it improved their macular degeneration. Wow. I remember walking out of that meeting, and I was with one of the doctors from the Stem Cell Institute in Panama, mm -hmm. and he just turned to me and he said, one day the mice will take over. <laughs> I mean, we were all kind of pissed about it. And this that's woman, a brutal this, experiment. And, and it was, it was this real pretty young woman scientist with this very high voice like this, and she was telling us about and we're just going, oh my She's like, did we hit them with hammers? Oh my god. Oh, yeah. oh. But yeah, so you get this burst of systemic uh, of, of growth factors, okay. and your body goes into hyperhealing mode. Now, you know, I can't point to any human literature on that, but that's what we think is happening. Well, there's another, a, a recent guest on Bulletproof Radio, and I talked about the role of larger parasites in stimulating something similar. Mm -hmm. So I'm about to start, of course, I love to mix my tests. I, I do everything I think is going to work at once, mm -hmm. so it, we may not be able to separate out all of the effects of stem cells, but I'm about to start using HDCs which are basically rat tapeworms that you take that are not able to reproduce in humans, but they cause uh, a, a huge shift in autoimmune function. But Sounds lovely. Oh, uh, it's delicious. It's big, long, you know, they're, they're tiny little eggs in salt water. But uh, this is around uh, more around GI and, and immune system effects, but the reason that this whole line of therapy came about is because a father of an autistic kid about 10, 15 years ago noticed when his son got chiggers, which is these are a type of like a mosquito, but they burrow into your skin and then they lay eggs there. It's disgusting. And uh, you have chiggers in Utah, don't you? In Georgia. In Georgia. Okay. That's where my mom's from Georgia. I know. They okay, I grew up with them in New Mexico, so they weren't that common. But like in Colorado, you get them sometimes. Uh, but he noticed his son's symptoms would go away when he had chiggers, and the chiggers would go, and the symptoms would come back. So then they looked at using like pig whipworms and all these things. But one of the big theories about why these have these huge modulating effects is that, well, they're essentially causing little injuries. They also have their own compounds they're secreting. But having things like that can cause healing in a way that I think a lot of medicine hasn't recognized historically, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the system that we have currently is you have, you, you create a molecule and then you patent that molecule. Right. And if it's a natural substance, it's not patentable and no one can make any money off of it. So, I mean, this is the whole problem with why there's so much heat on bioidentical hormones is because, uh, you know, uh, nobody's going to get rich over it, so I mean, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I didn't I didn't go into naturopathic medicine because I was cynical about conventional medicine. But boy, the more I've learned about it, I'm just like. Oh. So, so do you do you use uh, Um I don't so much. Um, Amy Killen, who did the cosmetic portion of your yeah. stem cell therapy yesterday, uh, who's an emergency medicine physician turned anti-aging, who we work with, and um, okay. so she's come in and she's doing, because we were having so many people asking for cosmetic stem cells, mm -hmm. and um, so Amy has a lot of experience using platelet-rich plasma in the skin of the face, also right. called the vampire facelift, and she also does the O-shot and the P-shot, which is injections in women in the vagina and men in the penis for sexual optimization for women who have pain during sex, uh, for men who have erectile dysfunction or, or any number of things. And so she had a lot of experience with that, so I merely taught her how to lipoaspirate and isolate stem cells from fat, and so she she still does a lot of platelet-rich plasma. She also does platelet-rich plasma with stem cells for the more cosmetic and sexual function type things. She does the hormone prescribing. She's an expert. Okay, so in, in the clinic you work with that. Do you right. personally take them? Are you willing to talk um, about that? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I supp- I think I started supplementing with testosterone, just bioidentical, mm-hmm. you know, physiologic level testosterone since I turned forty, I think. And how old are you now? Uh, Forty-seven. Forty-seven. So is, is, isn't that cheating? Taking testosterone doesn't make you a bad person. Um, it makes you a happy person. I mean, <laughs> it, it makes you a physiologic younger person. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, I mean, sure, if you're juicing and you're doing, you know, big synthetics, yeah. yeah. you're doing all that stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of problems that can cause. But you know, you're talking about just getting back to the physiologic levels when you were a younger person. And there is a mountain of data showing that it is safe. It's huge. Yeah, if you already have heart disease, you have advanced heart disease, then yeah, it might be a problem. But if you're a relatively healthy person, um, you know, I've taken the Neil Rousier's course, and he's excellent. I don't know if you know him, but he's fantastic. He's an emergency medicine doctor turned hormone doctor. And he's the hormone doctor to the hormone doctors. Cool. Man, I mean, this guy, I mean, he has read every single study that has ever come out on, on testosterone replacement and most hormone replacement, but you just cannot convince me that there's any problem with it. It changed my life in my mid-20s. I'm like, wait, my mom has more testosterone than I do? Like, this is a problem, and I'm not, I'm not going to just sit and go, oh, this is a problem. I, I guess it would be wrong for me to supplement. So I took bioidentical for years, but with all the nutritional stuff and exercise things that I do, without the supplementation, my levels are where they ought to be. Uh, they're uh, like high normal, which is awesome. So I'm, I've been off for about three and a half years uh, after eight years of taking it. But I consider it to be part of anti-aging for sure. But let's talk about sexual function for men here. You talked about the pee shot where they inject. Uh, and, and I just want to say, guys, look at the size of these feet, okay? This is three days after my pee shot injection. I used to have a size eight. <laughs> nice. Uh, for the record, I've always had a size 16 feet, so this is uh, not a change. But uh, I did get the pee shot. Which, uh, in fact, I'm going to post the video for you guys. You know, it's... Ah, Godzilla! <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not going to post, like, the porno version. Uh, that would be very popular for our German followers. Just kidding. I love Germany. But Probably Tokyo, too. Uh, fair point. But uh, you'll actually just sort of see the needle go down below the blanket and hear me scream like a girl. Uh, not really. It wasn't that bad. But thank you, Lidocaine. And... Uh, why did I do that? Because I had stem cells floating around everywhere, and I'm, I don't know what's my personality. Like, put them everywhere they could possibly go. So, uh, we, we shall see if it does actually result in, uh, in increases or changes in, in function there, because when you're already like super high functioning, there's only so much room for improvement, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's something that I found, you know, because when we do get people in for anti aging, like, yeah. If there's not a whole lot wrong with you to begin with, you don't really notice a whole lot of benefit. I mean, I'm so much more accustomed to dealing with people who are in severe pain. Yeah. So if we get them 50% better or 70% better, I mean, they were really aware of it. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point you bring up. If there's not really a problem to begin with, then... There's also the idea of preventative maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have an excess of stem cells doing their things because it's so much easier to not get old than it is to get young. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier to not get sick than it is to get well. Mm-hmm. And I learned that because I was basically old when I was young. You try having arthritis when you're a teenager, right? And, and so I, I don't want to go back to that. And I'm going to continue like shoring up every system in my body via every technology I can find. And I'll talk about all of them. And hopefully the ones that work really well will become more commonplace. Like that's part of my, my mission with Bulletproof is to like, yes, you can do things to your body with lights that no one knows about. Like I've used mm-hmm. an infrared light on my brain in like the late 90s that had a profound effect and now 15 years later people are starting to talk about it but why does it take 20 years for these new technologies to get out so i think the speed of innovation has increased but also the speed of of 
people learning about it has increased, which is why you're on the show, because prolotherapy was hot a while ago. In fact, let's talk, this is how you got started. Talk about what prolotherapy is. So I started out as a prolotherapist. So, you know, in, in the stem cell camp, a good portion of the guys who were doing it started out as prolotherapists. On the, on the, you know, more recently, it's the pain management guys and the surgeons who are getting interested okay. in it. But the regenerative medicine guys like myself, I mean, we really, we... What, what is it? A lot so, of so prolotherapy has been around since the 1940s. I mean, really, it started in the 1930s, but then it was first being mentioned in medical meetings in the 40s and 50s. And it was a, a doctor, George Hackett, who was an occupational medicine doctor. He was in charge of this huge factory, and all these guys had low back pain. And he postulated that low back pain was caused by damaged ligaments. So he started injecting irritants into ligaments with the idea that it would trigger healing. So you cause a controlled injury, not enough to cause actual permanent damage, but enough to trick your body into thinking that there's been a new injury and thereby launch a healing cascade. So you get all the benefits of a healing response without actually having been injured. And he was getting great results with low back pain, injecting he's primarily the SI ligament the, and the iliolumbar ligaments. Um, so the concept with Prolo is simply that. The most common solution used is a dextrose solution. It's sugar water. And I think that's part of what kept it in the shadows for so long. Because as soon as you say sugar water, people think sugar placebo, pill, yeah. placebo, and mm -hmm. their eyes glaze over. So for my first, you know, when I was in naturopathic school, I tore my labrum in my shoulder. Mm -hmm rock climbing. I was a high-level rock climber. And I was getting ready for my dream trip to France, and I had this labral tear. So I saw a surgeon, and he said, well, you know, we can snip out the torn piece. It might help. It might not really. It's going to give you arthritis later. He said, I would suggest you get prolotherapy. Okay. And I found... That's an advanced surgeon that time. Well, it's in Portland, Oregon. Okay. There's a lot of hippies there. Oh, so. There you go. So I found Rick Marinelli, who was mm -hmm. the, the first naturopath to really start doing prolotherapy seriously. And he became my mentor and great friend. And he injected me with prolotherapy and it cured it. And that's what got me wow. on this whole path is I said, man, this is what I want to do. So I, for my first four years, I just did simple prolotherapy injections. During my residency, actually, what I did in order to just gain experience is I volunteered at, I do, I'd be in the hospital all day. And then I go to this homeless shelter, this 50-bed homeless shelter in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And here are all these guys who all have musculoskeletal yeah. pain and they can't take drugs because they're basically in a halfway house in the shelter. And so I did prolotherapy on them. And they got better. It was sure. amazing. And so when I opened practice here in Utah in 2002, I'd already done a bunch of cases. And then my first four years, I just did prolotherapy injections. And we weren't using any imaging then because nobody really did. And... Then, uh, then platelet-rich plasma came along, and that was a little more high-tech, so then we got interested in using uh, ultrasound. Because, you know, if you're going to go through the process of preparing platelet-rich plasma, you want to make sure you're injecting it in the right place. Yeah, it costs like $1,000 for a kit to do that. Right? Well, back when we used kits, yeah, a lot of people don't use kits anymore, oh, but cool. the kits were expensive, right? So, um, for four years, I did ultrasound-guided injection of PRP. So, you know, I'm very fortunate that by the time I started with stem cells, I already had my 10,000 hours. Cool. You know, I had a lot of foundation in regenerative medicine. Now, with stem cells, because it's kind of hot and hip and, you know, there's a lot of interest, there's now this new breed of pain interventionalists who are very experienced with needles, but they don't really have the background in regenerative medicine and the concepts that there can be more than one pain generator. You know, when you're doing an insurance-based pain management practice, insurance is only going to pay for one injection. So you got to, you know, there's this whole culture of like coming up with the 
the exact diagnosis of the one injection that's going to completely clear up the entire problem. Well, you know, when you're dealing with a farmer who's lifted heavy objects their entire lives and they've had, you know, 30 years of low back pain, there's not one injection that's going to help that. When you're doing regenerative medicine injections, you got to do a lot of pokes. And sometimes for those guys, it's hard for them to make that transition. So... Yeah, this is a, a problem in a lot of research as well. Mm -hmm. say, well, the core assumption that is not even stated is that there is one thing. And we're complex systems. And it's the idea, well, I have a thumbtack in this thumb and I have a nail in this thumb. Mm -hmm. And so if you take it down to that level, it's like, well, we pulled the thumbtack out, the paint didn't resolve, so we put it back in. So we pulled the nail out, the paint didn't resolve, so we put it back in. Mm -hmm. I, Obviously, it's neither one of those, but like, okay, maybe you should just look at everything that might be causing pain and just deal with it all at the same time. And that perspective is, is missing from double-blind studies. And that's why we have empirical evidence, which is as important, if not more important, than the, the double-blind evidence. You need both to, to be fully there, but if the double-blind says it works and you can't feel it work, it doesn't feel like it's working, it's actually not working, like, that's okay. Yeah. Right? I mean, my practice grows entirely from word of mouth, and it's... You know, I get all these guys who, you know, you treated my neighbor and he doesn't walk with a cane anymore. I mean, there's something to be said for that. And I think that, yeah, you know, in order for, in order for the, the whole, the whole concept of scientific study is to isolate one mechanism. And, you know, when you're talking about something as complex as low back pain, it's, it's very difficult to do that. Do you ever worry about, like, the orthopedic surgeon's guild taking out a hit on you? What can they do? I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I mean, you oh, were... taking out a hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, what can they do? Really? Uh, not that. Yeah. Not that. They if they took a hit out on me, that would be a problem. But but like like the reason I'm asking that is you are disrupting a field of medicine, right? Yeah, like the, you know. the surgical knee replacement, hip replacements. Mm -hmm. There there will always be a need for some of that. At Absolutely. least until we learn how to grow new yeah. things that are biological. But yeah, I detached my bicep two months ago yeah. and I had to have it surgically repaired. I yeah. mean, all the stem cells in the world are going to reattach right. to that. So there's a need for that stuff, but it seems like maybe we're doing a lot of that. And if somewhere you're doing is preventative and an order of magnitude cheaper, yeah. like the, those are what cause disruptions in industries. Well, in 2014, Medicare paid something like $15 billion in knee and hip replacements. Mm -hmm. And if this were to even impact that 10%, that's a $1.5 billion dollar industry. I've caught a lot of flack, you know, I've, uh, I have some friends out there in the medical community and then there's a lot of people who just, I don't know, they, it's, uh, I've, 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 I've quit trying to be loved by doctors and I just focus on being loved by my patients. Got it. Well, I find that there's, there's a, two kinds of physicians out there. There's the, the curious ones who are keeping themselves current and they're willing to challenge their assumptions and they're ones who went to medical school, got their drug textbook. And they're they're going to do what they've always done. And um, I saw one of those very early on when I, I actually had a, an inkling that I had a problem with fungus. I, because I was living in a moldy house, but I had a lot of symptoms with candida. And I went to my family practitioner in the Bay Area was 20 years ago. And like, I have all these weird symptoms. Like, I feel like I've been poisoned. Something's wrong. And he basically said, if you had a problem with candida, you'd be in the hospital. It's not possible. So I struck it off my list for four or five years. And this is one of those guys who just didn't stay on top of what was going on. It turns out if I had found the right kind of practitioner, there was a whole universe of practitioners who were aware of this kind of thing. And why there's that division between, you know, what, I don't even know what to call both sides, between Western medicine and functional medicine, I, I just don't get it, but it's, it's time for it to break. And 
if you see someone who's you know super alternative, they might do something really well. They, they might also just not have the knowledge of of a Western physician. Uh, but if you go to your Western physician and they're saying stem cells are for witch doctors, like you gotta you gotta start wondering like who who's whose record is that guy playing? Because it's probably not his own. Because yeah. an open-minded person is going to say, you got to look at all possible things and you should make an informed decision. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, we've all heard about arthroscopic surgery for knee arthritis. That's when we're going to go in and clean things. I've had it three times. Yeah, it's been proven to be no more effective than placebo. I mean, there's yeah. two major uh, studies in New England Journal of Medicine and one in the British Medical Journal that show that it is no better than placebo. Do you think that slowed down arthroscopic surgery for, you know, arthroscopic debridement for knee arthritis? Not at all. You know, and then at the same time, these are the same guys who are saying, you know, that stem cells is complete quackery and you're wasting your money and it's blah, blah, blah. And when, you know, it's uh, contempt prior to investigation is what we call it. Well, yeah, it's funny. All right. I have no idea the answer to this. I hope I don't offend you. Have you been listening on Quack Watch? Uh, God, no, I have not, thank God. One of my goals is, I want to be listed on there. Oh, I just Because here's the thing, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so if they list me on there, I'm like, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're saying I'm a doctor now. But I would say fully three-quarters of the physicians I most respect have been attacked by that, yeah, basically, I, tool of the pharmaceutical industry. I suppose that day will come. I think no, they, they've already been sued into, into oblivion. I think, yeah, I think that he's, they've slowed down. Do, do, Dr. Stata. Yeah, um, he was, that guy was an Air Force psychiatrist. Yeah, he's not a doctor. You know? yeah. Well, he's, a, he's an MD. He's yeah. a psychiatrist. But, yeah, the Air Force psychiatrist. Yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, it, it's, but it's funny, though, because uh, I, I find the people who are innovating are always always the target of like basically these these trade groups like like quackwatch and so it's it's uh, it's interesting and hopefully you don't mind that i brought that up um but i would say literally some of my very favorite most impactful practitioners uh, have a, a rating on there so i just consider it as a mark of excellence like, like if someone's listed on there i'm like okay they're probably pissing off some some drug companies and that's just uh, like one of my bars for like do i want to talk to this guy like <laughs> yes i probably do <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about stem cells? Um, no, we've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, we've been all over the map, I'd say. Now, one more question for mm -hmm. you. This is a question that's uh, in every episode of Bulletproof Radio. Mm -hmm. If someone came to you tomorrow and said, look, I'm going to kick ass at everything I do. So given everything you know, not just from your practice, but just your life, what are the three most important things I should know? Adequate sleep. Uh, getting your emotional needs filled and good diet, and, and I have to put in exercise. I need four. Right. I mean, those are the four. Those are the cornerstones of health. Are cool. Sleep, diet, exercise, and getting your emotional needs met. Love it. Yeah. Beautiful, uh, Dr. Harry Adelson. Uh, thank you so much for being on Bulletproof Radio. Where can people find out more about your work? At our website, docericlinics.com. D-O-C-E-R-E clinics.com. If you enjoyed today's episode. Download the transcript. It's there uh, for free on the Bulletproof website. So everything we talked about, including all the strange spellings of those things, will be there. There'll be links uh, to Dr. Harry's website. And uh, you also should pick up some brain octane oil. I, I don't talk about this enough on the show because I kind of assume that everyone who's listening already knows. But when you make Bulletproof coffee, you've got the beans that are lab tested and produced differently in the green coffee processing. Uh, they're not washed beans, so they're actually a, a different continuous flow process that we pioneered. Then you need brain octane oil and grass-fed butter. And brain octane oil 
is fundamentally different than coconut oil and it's fundamentally different than MCT oil. And uh, we had a lot of problems with disaster pans from MCT oil. And this is because MCT oil causes, because of the way it's manufactured and because of the way it, it, its components, it can cause a lot of gastric distress. In other words, you poop on yourself. Brain octane oil makes ketones more than MCT oil, and ketones are one of the things that affect your hunger levels dramatically. So that's why it's in the recipe. That's why we make it in the United States with triple distillation. And if you are just putting butter in regular coffee, you're actually not having bulletproof coffee. You are not experiencing the kind of benefits I'm talking about. And if you don't believe me, go to the bulletproof coffee shop in Santa Monica, if that's within reach. Try it made right one time, and you'll be like, oh, I thought it was pretty good with butter. It's a totally different animal when I make real bulletproof coffee with the right ingredients. So check it out, and we'll, I'll send you a bulletproof coffee kit if you like. Uh, but it's really important. You can also go into Whole Foods now. And in most of the country now, they are carrying brain octane oil, which is pretty profound. Uh, I prefer it if you buy it, uh, if you buy it from me, of course, uh, because then I can send you emails and things like that. But it's more convenient for you. Go into Whole Foods. I love Whole Foods, and I shop myself there whenever I'm traveling. You can pick it up there and in a lot of other grocery stores as well. So I'm working to make this stuff built into our society, and I appreciate your support. appreciate listening to the show. Dr. Terry, appreciate being here. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a great day. Thanks for watching. Don't miss out. To keep getting great videos like this to help you kick more ass at life, subscribe to the Bulletproof YouTube channel at bulletproofexec.com slash YouTube. Thanks for watching, and stay bulletproof. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.